I think it's for real. It's for okay. really real. Bring us in. Okay. All right. Hello and welcome to a fantastic episode. And it's not just another fantastic episode. It's a really fantastic episode. It's our 52nd episode. One fucking year. A whole year. I can't believe it. I can't believe we didn't miss a week. <laughs> not one. Not one week. We had an episode every week for a year. I mean... I feel like that's pretty grueling, but at the same time, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Because that's a really fast pace. I look at other podcasts, and it's like, yeah, we do one a month, one every wow. two weeks. And we're like, now we're going to do 52 of them. That's a sometimes <laughs> cast. Yeah. Yeah. What movie are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about True Lies, the uh, most voted one. I did really want to do Cool As Ice, though. Just to put you through some goddamn misery, because it's it. I think True Lies is a great movie, and uh-huh. it's super fun to watch and yeah. completely entertaining. But you know, Cool as Ice would just be fun to watch Brian squirm through a migraine, uh, and then have to talk about it. I, I don't <laughs> know if it's that. I don't know. I can't rightly say. The last time I saw a single second of Cool as Ice, why well, I, I should say I was in. The bookstore at college, like you know, <laughs> however the hell long ago that was, it was pouring rain down. They had VH1 on, and then like, oh yep, there's the the Vanilla Ice movie. Yeah, that I don't recognize because the only Vanilla Ice movie I recognize is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Two right, Secret of the Birth of Ninja Rat. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm actually really glad that Rob Zombie's Halloween didn't get picked because we've crapped on that several times and (laughs) we we've destroyed that movie just in passing but it would have been the second time that i've seen that movie yeah me too (laughs) i haven't seen it since the theater yeah and i own that great box set that Uh anchor bay put out with the 15 discs or whatever it is yeah which i bought primarily no shame for halloween six the producer's cut which had never been released before and then they came out with that on their own but I would have needed all of the rest of them on Blu-ray, except for the Rob Zombie's Halloween. And just to put that into perspective, I would probably, yes, even watch Halloween Resurrection probably 10 times before I watch Rob Zombie's Halloween once. I am of the, in the same boat with that. I would totally... I've, in fact, I've seen Resurrection like three times, you know? Okay. So, you know, it's already happened. I've already <laughs> watched it more than Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. But anyways... So, uh, true so true lies good <laughs> pick 94 it is a good pick was uh, it 94 i thought it was 95 yeah it's 94 written and directed by james cameron starring a whole bunch of people i mean i i don't know i i, I listened to like a lot of podcasts leading up to this uh for for reasons we'll get into later which i find absolutely annoying i would say like i agree with most podcasts that this is like arnold schwarzenegger's mountaintop and then afterwards it kind of his career his movies were less and less like uh huge i guess like Mm -hmm. blockbuster stuff you know times were changing 
And I, I think that's probably one of the reasons why when people look back on this movie, they might find it kind of a hard pill to swallow because it was one of the last times where America was in La La Land. You know, it, it was a more innocent time with like our 80s action movies and like everybody could just fight terrorists because they're a joke, you know? Right. It was, right. It, it wasn't anything close to home. It was just kind of over there. Or it was something that we could entertain on a fantasy level and be totally fine with it. Right. And this movie, when you watch it, it's a little hard to kind of like watch these Islamic terrorists with a nuclear bomb. Right. And they're portrayed as credible villains, but they're also kind of jokey at the same time. Right. And it, it, it's, I, there was a sequel planned. Um, and it kept going like the production kept going because James Cameron is kind of, crazy when it comes down to that stuff but they uh never got it off the ground and then you know by september 11th they're kind of like maybe we shouldn't do this yeah. you know yeah it just doesn't seem appropriate anymore to have fun at the expense of right right i i don't know like i feel like now it would be fine but like the the level the the weirdness i guess of people like for five or six years after September 11th was pretty crazy. Like the level of how sensitive they are to it yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people definitely fell into two camps, I remember, because I remember going into a Halloween store and some guy was rigging an Osama bin Laden dummy from the rafters, like Jesus. like hung. Yeah. I mean, And, and then I'm, I'm like looking up at it, you know, he's like, he comes down like, how does that make you feel? I don't know. I mean, like, not uncomfortable, but I, I don't think I approve of that. Right. You know? But then there were the people that were angry at the whole situation of the Iraq war, and that's going into a whole different rabbit hole. Right. But that really just <laughs> illustrates what we're talking about, where it was really kind of a different era. And yep. as a country, as a society, we were kind of collectively still in our suburban la-la lands. Maybe not yeah. as, as worldly as people think they are now. Right. I yeah, I agree. It's it's different now. Yeah. Like people are more um uh informed now. Well, a lot of that's due to the internet. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's not like people were totally uninformed because like some of the shadiest foreign policy shit that ever happened happened <laughs> in the the 80s and the 90s with like yeah. Iran Contra and Oh yeah. You know. I mean, that was like that's some wild stuff. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing until like a couple of years ago and I was listening to all that Contra stuff on a podcast talking about it. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. It's some real like stranger than fiction type yeah. stuff. But, you know, so then you have True Lies, which is supposed to be the movie that kind of brings James Bond into the modern era dealing with real world problems. I think that was the intention with it. Yeah, which I agree. you could say that License to Kill, which we started this show doing. Yeah. So it's really kind of fitting that people picked <laughs> True Lies to draw this comparison because that was the movie where James Bond kind of got back to solving real world problems. Whereas the books, I mean, that was kind of what they those were rooted in, like those Ian Fleming books. Yeah. And then the science fiction aspect kind of came in as the series went along and it got into self-parody and they kind of couldn't figure out how to ground it again. And then... The company went bankrupt. We had a long pause. <laughs> yeah. Goldeneye yeah. comes out the next year. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess as a whole, do you think this movie still holds up? In certain ways. 
Yeah, I you agree. Know, it's all the eye of the beholder. Yep. I can look back on it, because we saw this movie in theaters two or three times, I think. Um, it was huge. It was everywhere that summer. You know what was the first movie to have a budget over $100 million? This movie. Yeah. This was like... They... Uh, the studio was so afraid of this movie, because at that time, like $100 million was like what oh yeah you know like how 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 does a movie cost that much and then they were shaking so trepidatious because they didn't even know if they were going to get their money back that's just how the money was flowing then like a hundred million dollars was like you think of that now and it's like oh we can make that back in two days you know but then it's like how are we gonna do it you know how are we gonna make a hundred billion dollars back yeah i i want to say i had read that Every movie James Cameron made cost more than the previous one. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy to think that you could make a movie that's more expensive than buying a former nuclear reactor to fill it with water <laughs> yeah. for your underwater soundstage like they did in The Abyss. It's wild, and isn't it? In this movie, I feel like they had to have spent a lot of that money on like the Harrier stuff. Yeah. A lot of that. And then... Um... You look at uh, what they were doing then, and there was like really advanced CGI that was like, at that time, it's like kind of like what Jurassic Park is, where it's like, that's kind of like the first movie where it's like CGI was done really well and still holds up now. Mm -hmm. And it's likewise with this movie where they were using CGI and practical effects and mixing them all together. But then the CGI was, like, so painstaking, you know? For example, like, the composite shots of, like, the um, Harriers going towards the bridge. Mm -hmm. I assume that those were real. That's not. Like, so, like, when they come in and they shoot the rockets, Mm -hmm. the rockets are fake. There's no rockets on those Harriers. The smoke from the uh, rockets going towards the bridge, that's CGI. Okay. Then the heat of all the Harriers. The distortion. Yeah, that's all CGI. Okay. So when you look at it like that, it's like you're not noticing the CGI because of how well it's done, and they knew when and where they couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's pre- but that's why it also costs a lot of money because this is 1994. Like you're still like ten years away from CGI looking pretty okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's sort of turbulent displacement. I, I would love to know what their render times were because, like, even now with a pretty decent computer. It, it'll take a, a bit of a hit like you've you really got to like render that in a way leverage your gpu for the acceleration uh, all, all kinds of nerdy shit that nobody really cares about when you said cg i'd assumed that you were going to tell me that the um, nuclear bomb blast going off behind right them on the island was uh cgi i mean it had to have been yeah that was yeah but i always find it funny that they covered their eyes i'm like i'm pretty sure like You'd have so much cancer on that side of your face and your hand from that blast. From not being at the minimum safe distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. How far away is that? And that's an amazing detail. Well, that, 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 that bridge is only seven miles from start to finish that they used uh, in the Florida Keys. Mm. So depending on what part, who knows? Like, were they closer? Were they not? You know? 
Maybe they're only a mile away. Maybe they're two miles away. What the scale was supposed to be. Yeah. I guess you'd have to, you know, be one of those NASA scientists who's like really good at image <laughs> deconstruction to yeah. figure out yeah. what the yield was of that blast, what the scale was, put it in proximity <laughs> of the background. Yeah, where and where where's the fallout going? Which way is the wind going? Because that's a detail that really surprises me that Cameron would get wrong with as much research as he put into it for Terminator Two. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That for him to be like, nah, they will fudge it. (laughs) He's okay. Cameron is so crazy about like these details. It blows my mind. So apparently, like, he keeps screwing around with Titanic, you know, Mm -hmm. like trying to make it better and better. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's like an astrophysicist, uh, complained he's an astrophysicist yeah i I think astral physicist would be like you know dr strange i I don't science bro uh and but uh okay so neil degrasse tyson knows he is so intelligent that he knows what the sky would look like in a given day right and date in time right where the constellations would be because of what time of year Mm -hmm. so he writes james cameron that you know you claim the titanic is so realistic but there's no way in hell those constellations would be in the sky during the time the titanic sank right what does james cameron do okay when he remasters it for whatever time now he gets the sky right you know like goes in has the sky reanimated so that the sky the constellations reflect what they would have been when the Titanic sank. I I can sympathize <laughs> with, you know, having changed certain things in my remasters and like, you know, painting a tripod out of a shot that somebody didn't notice was there kind of a thing. Right. Harmless right. stuff. But yeah, that movie was very accurate to certain things. Um, the breaking of the ship being probably the biggest one where... There, there was a mystery when they discovered it, and I didn't realize that... We're not going to talk about Titanic too much. It's just kind of the whole James Cameron package. I I've promise. never seen it. Spoiler alert. Oh, well, just bear with me here for a minute <laughs> then. So th- this is for everybody else. So when the ship breaks apart, they show the grand staircase going off in, in a certain direction. Now, when they discovered the ship in the 80s, and I didn't realize that... Like, I just kind of assumed that they knew where the Titanic was for a long time. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that it was discovered during our lifetime. Oh, wow. Because I was I too busy either. yeah, playing with like G.I. Joe's or He-Man <laughs> or whatever right. you know, at the time to, to realize why that was a big deal. And um, But one of the things they never found in the wreck was the Grand Staircase, which is like this five-story tall. Oh, wow. You know, it's not a small thing. We're, we're thinking like... Can you imagine the size, though? I mean, the scale, you just can't comprehend how big some of these things that we built actually are. Mm-hmm. Five stories for a grand staircase inside a fucking boat. Yeah. Well, there's a whole <laughs> other story behind there about why building the Titanic the way that it was was done. But uh, so they took a guess. I mean, they ran physics simulations, again, using the computers at the time and what's fairly primitive technology compared to what we have today and then a lot of the people like the you know internet detectives of their day because people really have tried to armchair detective like the titanic thing because people just find it like a fascinating hobby where the consensus is and it was like the first time that it happened people were like yeah that's probably what happened to it (laughs) 
So, you know, you, you, maybe you get your constellations wrong and your nuclear <laughs> blast scales wrong, but hey. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I think that it's appreciated for someone like Cameron who has the power to go back and get things right or be so meticulous about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as like True Lies go, I still love this movie. Like, I feel like it's really great front to back. A lot of modern criticisms that I've read is that the storylines are really disjointed, right? Because it, like, starts off and you get the great introduction, like, to who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, like, Mm -hmm. and, like, that snow chase sequence down the side of the mountain and all that stuff. But then it's like you have the whole marriage problem, Mm -hmm. right? And one criticism that I have, and I guess I never really cared or didn't notice it or it didn't bother me was like they start off with the terrorism stuff it's like a hard stop now we're doing the my wife's cheating on me at least i think she is with bill Paxton's character which i think steals the goddamn show yeah he's each time he's on such camera. a scumbag <laughs> yeah um and then it's like all of a sudden you get like the sexy strip tease and it's like oh oh we forgot the terrorists are still around we're doing the terrorism thing again you know yeah i don't know it, it's it's hard to say because i i do feel that people in that situation you know like that kind of like marital stress situation probably either stop focusing on work or they over focus on the whole my home life is falling apart sort of thing yeah yeah so i mean it might be considered a little messy from a screenwriting standpoint but from like a real world standpoint that's probably honest i think it's pretty funny though like how they keep mentioning like what a gross abuse of government power and taxpayer <laughs> yeah. spending it is. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, and they just keep moving on, which happens <laughs> all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, this kind of like dovetails right into like one of the main criticisms that people have. And I kind of joked about like how woke people are. About, about before we started talking. Yeah, about before this. we started recording. And one of them is how sexist this movie is. Now, would you think... I don't think that this movie is sexist at all. Creepy, for sure, because when Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tasker, like he, when he finds out, or when he thinks, not even finds out, it's just assumes that his wife is having an affair, Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to use all the government's power to spy on you. And then when I'm done spying on you... I'm going to torture you until you tell me like what I need to know kind of thing. Right. Like mentally yeah. torture, not like physically or anything. Right, right. So that's the common criticism of this movie is that this movie's sexist. I don't I don't view it like that. I view like that what he goes through and like his response to it says more about his insecurities, which is really funny to me because it's like He's responsible for stopping stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And like stopping mayhem and terrorists and like saving the world. Mm-hmm. But then he can't save his marriage, right? Like he can do all these things, but not save like this kind of minuscule problem when you're talking about terrorists using nukes to blow up islands. Right. You know? And I find that's the joke. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think that the because of these things him being a kind of a creep trying to figure out what his wife's doing, which is nothing, is sexist, you know? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that makes it sexist so much as it, you know, it's kind of a goofy over-course correction. 
Yeah. But, you know, to your point about him stopping these nuclear bombs and things like that, he, he uses a bazooka, but he doesn't he can't use a scalpel. Right. You know? Right. So he can solve these massive problems and I, I think that's that's his blind spot. Yeah, Bill Paxton steals the show with just that total Lothario shyster loser guy. <laughs> yeah. Um He says a really creepy thing though, when he goes when they're in the fucking corvette or whatever ask like a 10 year old boy yeah what the fuck she could suck start a leaf blower (laughs) yeah you know but i I like how he's just getting madder and madder and you see the evolution of that until he gives him the backhand which just (laughs) breaks his face knocks him the fuck out i can go with everything that he's saying being like yeah you're super scum like you're just a sleazeball but then like ask like a 10 year old boy like i wouldn't ever make those comparisons if I saw someone I thought was attractive, you know, but yeah, well, that's locker room talk. That's what they'd say now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you talk yeah. about like <laughs> disconnect and viewing the pre- past through the lens of the present. But I love his groveling, though, when they corner him in his trailer. Oh, and yeah. they like I love that scene because it's just so over overboard. Right. Instead of just knocking on the door, it's like they take a minigun and shoot his fucking trailer in half, mm-hmm. and then it falls over, and then they come in, and you know, and then you hear like they're gonna take, they're like taking Bill Paxton to like the cliff or the dam or whatever, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm lint, I'm belly button lint, I'm dog meat, yeah. you know, all this stuff, and and, and then uh, he just pisses himself. Well, and and then he <laughs> won't leave him alone. You're gonna shoot me. Yeah. You're gonna shoot. Like just get out of here, just for real. Yeah. Like just it's over. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, he he really deserves everything he got and more, and um, that's part of what makes that so fun to watch. Is, is like you know because he's just a total shit, and then to see him get his comeuppance like that. Yeah, it was one of the things like that always was really entertaining about South Park. You know, during their better episodes was when Cartman would get his comeuppance for <laughs> everything that he put everyone yeah. else through, and then yeah. it's just finally like, ha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I think uh, Bill Paxton's like one of the most underrated actors, you know, because it's like you forget that he was in the first Terminator movie as one of those punks. Like he's Hudson, you know, he's Morgan Earp, you know. Yeah. Well, he's he, been in like a lot of iconic movies. Him, him and Cameron were buddies, and I think yeah. that's why he kept casting him. There's a, a great story where James Cameron was talking about, or no, actually Bill Paxton was giving an interview. He was talking about Evil Dead 2, of all okay. things. And James Cameron, like, you know, came over to his house like, knocked on his door like because he had just come from the theater after seeing evil dead 2 he was like come on we gotta go I, I, you gotta watch this movie <laughs> that's awesome yeah hell yeah it's awesome that's really awesome the sexist thing i i thought you were gonna say about like how jamie lee curtis character is a little um like when the action happens you know she's kind of like trusting the man to help her i mean she even like drops yeah. the machine gun in a very clumsy way and I feel like that's the kind of thing where I look back on Night of the Living Dead, the original one, and Barbara just shut down and she was worthless. And and everybody really rags on that movie for that, and they really course-corrected. Like, I like the Barbara in Night of the Living Dead 90, but I kind of wish there was a, a character, just somebody, who was like Judith O'Day in that original film. Because people fucking do that. Like, we all like to think in moments of crisis that... Like a zombie apocalypse happens mm-hmm. and everybody's just instantly walking around with, yeah, with, doling out headshots like candy. And it's just like, do you know how hard it is to walk and hit a target with a pistol one-handed? 
Right. Uh, extremely difficult. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to hit anything with a pistol, uh-huh. let alone on target. Walking know? with one hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. So I'm, I'm not defending that portrayal so well, much Well, here's my argument against the, that. A character type. Yeah. My argument against the whole sexism thing, and like another criticism that's kind of also one of the reasons why some people say that it's sexist is that like all the men and they they it's claimed that all the men in the movie are controlling all the women and i don't think that's necessarily the case i think they're all put like uh jamie lee curtis and elias the dushku were put into a position that they never saw themselves ever being in right so how do you cope with that but with jamie lee curtis in particular yes there's moments where it's like kind of funny like oh look at what the woman's doing when she drops the gun right but she does she does evolve right so she drops the gun first but then like two minutes later she's in the uh limousine beating the shit out of tia carrera Mm -hmm. you know and it's her her like evolution is from this basically secretary with kind of frumpy clothing and glasses to someone who's also doing heroic things mm-hmm. you know and then by the end of the movie she's a spy herself yeah. and so I, I don't understand how that's sexist you know uh when it's like you, there's this clear evolution and even uh eliza's character she does things right like she takes she understood understands what's happening in the situation she's in right and she's uh she was kidnapped by crimson jihad then she pieces shit together and is courageous enough to steal the key to slow down them igniting the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. i think that's pretty cool she could have just been a brainless idiot you know and that would kind of be sexist where it's like and we're not we're gonna make you be the problem or contribute to the problem that Schwarzenegger's trying to solve. But it wasn't that way. So I, I guess I don't understand like the sexism levied at that when it's clear that it's it's not like these they're empowered to do something and they do it. Yeah. In kind of the same way Alyssa Milano is like that in commando. Okay. Where basically the whole movie, you know, she's just captured, 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 and then her running away is like her power over the bad guy whereas you know but she's more of a child in that movie you know so she didn't exactly reach out steal the nuclear key and run away with it so right yeah i don't know that's that's an interesting way to look at that why do you think the movie is called true lies i haven't i haven't really put much thought into it to be honest with you i don't know <laughs> it always kind of struck me as weird because like you, you see the the poster, right? Mm-hmm. True lies. And then there's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. It makes me think he's the one telling a lie that's true somehow, you know? Right. I, I always found that a little confusing. And I what I think it's supposed to be is that the lie the Paxton character is telling is true. It's just that your husband's the spy and this guy's the phony. Hmm. Because yeah. that's kind of whole, her whole introduction into the world of espionage, because even when things go to, when shit gets real and their goofy little game is over with the striptease and everything, she's still the one thinking, like, I'm the one you really want. It's like, you know, honey, come on. like Yeah. And then trying to explain his way out of that. And... Yeah. I, I really love that sequence, too, 
like just the back and forth between like the terrorists uh jamie lee curtis and arnold schwarzenegger when they get out of that limo uh-huh. because like he is trying to be like shut up don't say anything i'm being really rude to you so that they you know because you're innocent like you're not involved with this but her ego so large that she believes that she's the spy right and because of what what bill paxton was feeding her yeah so that back and forth between them is really funny yeah you know well i, I don't know if it's her ego so large such as the the byproduct of his gaslighting yeah yeah true but man yeah i thought that was really great there is some fun stuff in there and then and then when they're like the torture doctor comes in like you know yeah yeah you know what's gonna happen to us they're gonna shoot us in the head and they're gonna move us to the bottomless yeah yeah their interplay is really great and i think part of the reason why it's still fun even though you know again it's context is key the world wasn't a different place than it is now yeah um his movies after that i think it really shows that James Cameron was the director who could get the most out of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. He always had like a really good, you know, physicality, obviously. He always seemed interesting and unique because of his unplaceable accent. Right. Where it's, you've just never heard anything like that before. Right. And then... I mean, my family have heard that accent before. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, now I'm the racist one, apparently. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's from Austria. The German accent's very similar. My family as See, a whole hasn't been here that long. That's so. interesting, though, because one of my internet friends is in Austria, and when he speaks in English, he sounds nothing like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hmm, interesting. So, that, I don't know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I just wanted to point out that people consider it the top of Schwarzenegger's mountaintop, and I, I agree. Yeah. Um, maybe the movies that he picked weren't quite as huge, Um like collateral eraser which is kind of a true lies knockoff but still okay but it's like the made for tv version of true lies compared to yeah well i also think that with the success of this movie it ushered in like let's do these crazy action movies all the time now right and you get to a point where you can't keep making true lies over and over again before people are just like it's another arnold movie I expect the same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like True Lies, and I feel like Terminator 2 and True Lies of Arnold's career, like that was like the first time for something like this. Like I, my dad, once again, took me to see True Lies, like he, most of the stuff that came out then. And he was actually like blown away what he was seeing with True Lies. Like now we're so spoiled where it's like you look back at True Lies and it's like, yeah, but all these movies do stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. True Lies was kind of the first of its kind. Same same with like Terminator 2 where it's like nothing's ever been done like this before, you know? Yeah. And when you have that kind of shock and awe because of that and you're able to pull it off, it's just to the stratosphere, you know? But now it's like, well, we can do all this stuff. We can have Harriers flying around and you just make it CGI. It's well, not as special, yeah. you know? No, it isn't. And part of the reason for that and why it was so crazy and impressive at the time is that action movies had always been treated as a second-class citizen. Yeah. Where the thing that made James Cameron's approach so novel is that he was the first guy who treated it like it was a major thing and not, Mm -hmm. how do we do this as cheaply as possible? 
Right. I'm sure that that was very much a, a concern with the budget when you start adding Harrier jump jets into things. But he didn't treat it like it was a joke. He treated it like it was a serious thing. And that elevated it to this prestige class that now has just become normalized thanks right. to all of this golden age of Marvel films that we're living in. And well, right. And I feel like it's almost gone opposite where people appreciate kind of slightly trimmed down action movies more than over the top action movies that true lies is right mm -hmm. like i think that's kind of part of the reason why john wick is so popular i mean it's just gunplay there's not there's not many guns there's not you know uh the spectacle that true lies is it's like i'm precise with these bullets it's you know it's a little more intimate in that yeah stage play yeah fashion but i think that's because it's like well, we've gone to the moon as far as like what we can do with action and with how big it can be. Mm -hmm. What if we make it more smaller and seeing those little things more? You Every, know? Everything's cyclical. Yeah. You know, pe so. people keep saying that, uh, oh, you know, one of these superhero movies is going to end. It's like, look, just let people enjoy it for now. It'll go the way of the Western. Where Westerns never stopped being made, you'll always have superhero films. It's just something else inevitably will rise up and become the dominant thing yeah kind of like with horror we had a golden age of zombie movies for a minute there well people still think that there's a golden age and they're just bringing that thing to the last drop we gotta get more out of the zombies but you know what they're always cool i i don't know i'm kind of zombied out i haven't watched an episode of the walking dead in god knows how long oh, oh yeah i haven't either i gave up on that i don't know what season they're on but yeah i gave up on that a couple of years ago no, no disrespect to Mr. Greg Nicotero there, but I, I just oh, feel Greg like... Oh, Greg Nicotero's great, but that I'm just... I'm over The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Over it. Well, I guess not... In Zombies as a whole, I'm over. I just need to have, like, zombie-free movies for, like, a couple years. Just put it a break. Yeah. You know? Put them on pause for a while. <laughs> yeah. You know? You still... Let's make vampires cool again. Or scary again. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's conquer that, and then we can make some more zombie movies. Sure. You know, that's what I would like to see. And that's what will happen to Marvel movies, and that's what will happen to big mm -hmm. action movies. And With the Marvel movies, though, I could understand the fatigue. Because I was like, after Civil War, I'm like, how many more have we got of these things? And it's like, ten more. We're doing, we're, we're doing a lot more. So I was getting fatigued, but by the end of uh, in, or Endgame, I was like, it was worth it. Caught your second win and <laughs> yeah. won you back. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the shootout in the Capitol Mall? Uh, it, uh, Georgetown Mall? It, okay. Yeah, like where it ends in the bathroom? Right. Yeah. I got to tell you something, because I feel like uh, there's certain things that I remember myself thinking, and then I'm like, you're so fucking dumb back then. <laughs> like, how could, you, how could you even think that? So um, I love that sequence. I find the bathroom scene like awesome, like him fighting like almost people that look the exact same size as Arnold. Yeah, which is like super hard to find because Arnold's like one in a million. Like his his physique is so like huge. Well, they they could have been his body doubles, right. In other movies, because I, I don't know if people know this, but the the nude zombie in Reanimator was one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's okay body doubles. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, I, I remember um, 
uh, after I'd seen True Lies, I'd went down to visit my family in Washington, D.C., and they're all over the place in that area, like Bethesda, uh, Germantown, all over there, Silver Springs. And uh, they asked us if we wanted to go down to Georgetown. I was like, sure, yeah, like because it, it's like stores or whatever, and there's historical things down there. And so we're walking around, and then it, it took us a minute before my sister and I realized that there's like a four-story underground mall in Georgetown. And so we go through it, and I'm like, I go through the first door, I'm like, I feel like I've seen this before, right? And I'm like looking around, I'm like, this looks so familiar. And then like shortly after I get back, I rewatch True Lies, and it's like that same mall we were in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm like, holy shit. My dumb brain back in 1994, and probably a couple years after, was that anything you saw in a movie was a set that was built. Okay. That even if it looked like a place, that it was still a set, that nothing was actually ever the real place that you could go visit. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how dumb I was. So I just assumed that like that whole mall was a fucking set that the company built just for true lies. But no, it's a real mall. Wow. That's how dumb I am. Why am I here? So- I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised that I was able to get past this right because i'm starting with just like a couple brain cells rubbing together right if i'm thinking like anything i see in a movie is a fucking set Uh uh-huh that that's really you know smooth brain it's those two twigs that start a fire and then (laughs) you know there's no stopping it then i i have a similar story we had a, a ninth grade trip to that mall I mean, the the trip was to Washington, D.C. It wasn't right. like, hey, oh, we're going to a mall in yeah. another state. Yeah. Get excited. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were going to Washington, D.C., did the whole tour of the Capitol and got to, you know, see the White House and Arlington Cemetery and all that stuff. But one of the between things, like time killers on the itinerary was go play at the small kids kind of thing. Okay. And I was walking around like, this is a fucking mall from True Lies. Like, like I knew it when I was there. I want to go find that bathroom. Yeah. So, like, I'm supposed to be shopping or whatever. Yeah. I was going to every men's room in that building trying to find it. And it's it. amazing there. It's like an M.C. Escher painting because there's all those, like, wrought iron stairs that uh-huh. go this way and that. And you're like, how do I get where? You know? So, just to bring it all back home for you there... That bathroom was a set because yeah. it was not in that building. <laughs> I was really disappointed because it's like, I want to go find where that shootout happened. <laughs> right. Did you know that um, in the UK, uh, they had to edit the headbutts out uh, in that just Why? to get an R rating? Why? Yeah, I don't know. But like the headbutts took it over. And they're like, we can't give you their R rating equivalent unless you take out eight seconds of this movie. Were there eight seconds of headbutts? I don't yeah. remember there being yeah. that many. Well, there was like five <laughs> seconds of headbutts. <laughs> but then there was like three seconds of other stuff they wow. had to trim down. Isn't that wild? That is... You got to cut eight seconds out of your movie just to make a rating. That's a lot of butts. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really amusing. But I did, I did love, that, love that bathroom fight sequence. I think it's probably my favorite bathroom fight sequence of like a couple other movies I can remember. Mm-hmm. Like the most recent Mission Impossible movie. Oh, yeah. And Casino Royale. Yeah, I, I there's just something about that where, you know, you build a small set, and I, I think it's kind of a carryover from westerns where 
you've got the saloon and then you know someone insults someone else you throw down and they just fucking wreck the place and there's something so fun about that and i, I think that's like kind of the modern equivalent of the saloon scene yeah. for whatever reason it's yeah. like the brawl in the men's room yeah you know yeah they have in there whose dick is bigger contest or you know <laughs> however you want to look at it i want to talk more about the action okay well, like i don't want to talk about the ending right yet because i really love that this is like the best fucking kill of a villain to end the movie mm-hmm. ever but I love it. It's also the most Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liner, where it's like the height of the puns, and it's not my favorite one-liner that Arnold Schwarzenegger's ever done. But I think it's the best one-liner to end an action movie uh-huh. because it's so simple. I mean, he says you're fired and then launches the guy. But I, I just, I absolutely love that. There's dozens of other things that Arnold could have shot at, right? Because it's like. The villain's got to go. He could have just tilted the plane. Guy could have fallen to his death. You know, splat on the street below. Well, he tried, and then he got hung up on the missile. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, someone could have written it differently. But instead, it was like, Arnold could have shot him into a side of a building, right? But what, what would he, he say that's nearly as cool? If you, no, dump, no, if you I, dump him on the side, right? Like, you're getting dumped. or like. No, but I'm just saying, like, I love how it's... He gets tipped off the plane, then gets stuck to the rocket. The fire, the rocket launches. Instead of going, it could have hit the building. He could have died that way. Instead, he flies through the building, right? Could yeah. have hit the building on the opposite side. Could have died that way. Instead, goes through the building, hits the helicopter with the rest of the terrorists. Yeah. Like, I love that where it's like two birds with a dozen stones, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. That's a bad analogy. Yeah, it's sort of, but, sort of the Rube Goldberg of killing your villain yes, effect. Thing. Yes, I love that, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you look at Terminator 2, and hey, the T-1000 just gets thrown into some molten steel. You know, kind of gets absorbed into that, and that's it. You know, it's it's climactic, but man, does it get ratcheted yeah, you know up what, with though, this one. Yeah, I mean, as, as an unstoppable alien robot monster that he was, <laughs> he took every kind of abuse imaginable. Yeah. It's just that due to his physical nature, none of it had any yeah. weight. I mean, it, it, had, yeah. it had weight. It's just it didn't physically harm right. him or stop him because he just glue himself back together right. and then, you know, stab um, the liquid blade through your face. Yeah, that's crazy. The, uh, do you think that this movie is a little bloated? Because some people are like, this is such a long movie. And maybe this is just a sign of the times. Because it, it's about two hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't consider that a long movie anymore. And I would even stay, say that like two and a half hours to two hours, almost three hours, isn't uncomfortable to watch anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I like... 90 minutes to two hours myself yeah but with a movie like this i don't feel like it's overly long because it's paced very well it is so if you're watching it and you're like wow this is a long movie i just feel like you're not engaged by what's happening yeah and you know people spend so much of their time on their phone like looking at their fucking phones and everything where i just i really like people have forgotten how to wait because i know when i'm waiting in line like at conventions or whatever people have told me wow you're really patient yeah and it's, it's like well, shouldn't i be like because you're in a line it's like strap in it's happening you know 
It's really interesting because I feel like I get impatient at weird times, but for waiting for things, you know, but I don't get impatient when it's like for the right thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm waiting in line to get into a convention or waiting in line to get an autograph, I don't care. I'll get there when I get there type thing, you know, but man, I swear to God, if it takes more than like two seconds to get rung up. At like a grocery store, man, yeah. am I irritated? Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it, it is certain things, and I just wonder if that's, you know, the the prevalence of growing up with AI and everything, like kind of streamlining everything, not just the phone thing, but like information. It's like, you know, what's the distance to the sun? You can know that right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. right now, this second. Yeah, and like before, like if you knew that, like you ask someone that, and be like nerd. You know, if you were to able to answer that. Well, like, no, I mean, just to the waiting thing, like you would have had to drive to the library, figure out how to look <laughs> yeah, that up, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to work an hour and a half for something that's a, a two oh, second answer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd have been fucking fine with it. <laughs> yeah. But the world has changed and moved on. And I think that's and now kind it's of the created theme. a bunch of impatient assholes, you know, maybe yeah, they, I've become more impatient with things. For sure. Label label people how you like, but I, I do think overall it's just kind of a sign of the times that people have changed a little bit. They're yeah. A little more in, leaning towards instant gratification just because yeah. of yeah. this society. And because of how are. easy it is to get anything you want. Literally anything. I don't want to go to the grocery store. Just have it delivered. Boom. But yeah. I like True Lies. Here's my motherfucking problem, though. Right? Before we started doing this podcast, we had people vote. About a week ago, as of recording this, it was still on HBO Max and Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. So fuck me running. Guess what happens the night before uh, we record? It's no longer on any service. Guess where it's not able to rent on any streaming service either? Nowhere in America. Nowhere. Anywhere. And I was like, maybe I'll disguise my IP address and be able to watch Netflix in Germany, air quoting, or something, mm -hmm. right? It's like... $15 a month for one of those services. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. What What are my fucking odds? Anyways, I just wanted to vent my frustrations with streaming services. Yeah. And people are like, I don't like physical media because I could just go and pay to watch any movie I want to watch. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Can you? Go try to watch True Lies right now. Please. Please do so. Let me know what you find because I couldn't find shit. Mm -hmm. I signed up. I started five free trials. Just to try to find True Lies so I could stream it. It's nowhere to be found. So fuck me, right? Because that's the way the universe is sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if part of the reason they pulled it is there might finally drop the long-awaited... Because it's never had a Blu-ray release, in America at least. Same with The Abyss. Same with The Abyss. And then when HBO was switching over to HBO Max... They had The Abyss and True Lies on there in 4K for like a week or two. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really like a blink and you miss it kind of thing. And I wonder if that got released and then whoever the rights holder was like, no, 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 you got to take that off there because we're doing this. Yeah, it this. seemed like it was gone really fast. You know, and then now that the contract is expired with Amazon Prime, because that, that's how I watched it. I, yeah. I, I, got to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to watch it yeah. free. Unlike, yeah. unlike Matt here. But I, I wonder if maybe that's finally around the corner is because they've never dropped that Abyss 4K Blu-ray either. So uh, I'm crossing my fingers because Abyss, especially the director's cut, is such a great movie. Mm -hmm. I love it. Like the story is so good. 
but yeah, it's one of the few movies that the director's cut was actually meaningfully transformative because I mm-hmm. had only seen the theatrical cut for the longest time, and I have that DVD that has both of those on there. Put it in, and um, that's a movie I think is a little bit too long, but mostly because the the stuff that does change it is all it's right at the end, and and it's almost like a whole different movie. Yeah. Once you get into that. And, you know, that's a criticism True Lies has also. Um, I, I just feel like it's paced a little better than The Abyss as far as... I agree. ...walking the line between those two worlds goes. Yeah. Like, uh, and, you know, like, James Cameron does that where instead of, like, trimming down here or there, he'll just cut out whole segments of the movie. Same with Aliens. Mm-hmm. They're like, we need to lose about 20 minutes. So just, like, take this whole reel out. That's what he did. So that whole beginning and Hadley's Hope just yeah. isn't there. So uh final thoughts on true lies i love it um i think that there's some dated issues with it but i don't find those criticisms the sexism that most people have and i still massively enjoy it for the sheer spectacle uh for it and you got to realize when you see it it's from 1994 like the jaw-dropping stuff that they're doing you're just like how are they pulling this off you know it's amazing yeah what about you? Yeah, no, I, I still really enjoy it, and I, I think maybe it's because we grew up in that era and then kind of lived to see the evolution of it that you can still appreciate that, whereas somebody who has only grown up with everything's done up to the nines, it's, right. it's not uncommon for a movie to cost $300, $350 million, right. which is still an ungodly sum of money, but then billion-dollar movies are a regular occurrence now. Um, I, I do think it's a lot of fun. I agree with everything you said about, um, you know, the racism, sexism stuff. It's it's largely a matter of perspective. No, I mean we. I, I don't want to get canceled or anything. So, I mean, we might we might already be canceled. Well, oh, just for yeah. just because we're talking about true lies. This I feel like this is like we're we're gonna disappear from Amazon Prime tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, like because this is like blas- it's blasphemy to talk about this or to like something that like this, you know, because we're not woke yet. Well, <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting the idea that you people will judge the past based on current standards. Yes. However, it's a necessary thing because if people don't learn from the mistakes of the past, they're doomed to repeat it in the future right that's a very common thing i wouldn't compare this to anything that's you know as evil as what goes on on a daily basis socially i think that's a little absurd is to judge a piece of entertainment based on that lens when the intention was not there you know this isn't birth of a nation where that was a fucking racist movie that made the ku klux klan superheroes Yes, I that, agree. That was unambiguously evil at the time, let alone today. Yep. So I think that there's shades of that. I, I think perspective is an important thing to keep in mind before you rush to judgment. and To judge something from the past based on our current values, you know? Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. Like, you have to understand, like, I don't know if you could make true lies today without a lot of pushback. You know, just because of the global understanding of where people are at and how kind of 
I think people have a more surface level understanding of how gears work on a global level, so mm-hmm. to speak, than they did then. So, but then at the same time, you kind of got to ease up on those. Let's cancel everything because it's not exactly what I agree with today, you know, but I digress. Yeah. I, I think to a certain extent that a lot of that is hijacked by the trolls. Yeah. Who, I mean, it feels like there. the loudest people are on the internet when you can't even hear them. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, you know, that, that's just a thing that happens where like they get in there and stir the pot and it's like, ah, look what I, the trouble I caused. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and yeah. But James Gunn's making Guardians 3. <laughs> so it all works out yeah, in the end. Yeah. Now that we've got Suicide Squad out of the way, we can get back to what we really yeah. wanted to see. Yeah. So that's it. That's True yeah. Lies. That's technically episode 52, but we're not done there. Nope. We're going to keep going. We have questions from people. Okay. Well, while you get to the first one of those, I, I bought us some sparkling wine to crack open and celebration. Which was really nice of Brian because... The reason why it's sparkling wine and not the real sauce is because I don't drink alcohol at all. Haven't had any alcohol in yeah. 15, 20 years. God, has it been that long? Yeah, because it was. I stopped drinking before I turned 21. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and it, it's it's for medical reasons. Yeah. It's not, you know, there is no... No, I never, ha- I never got into trouble, never crashed a car. Never no. had a problem. Nope. nothing it was for and i can actually go into it i i just tell people that oh i have an allergy to alcohol Uh uh-huh but that's not it is technically on a very base level that's what it is but alcohol uh fucks with my eeg pattern so the result is when i sober up i can have a seizure and it's like i don't want them anymore so Mm -hmm. that was it just yeah I'm not gonna, not gonna drink anymore. So that's the reason. God, it's not anything nefarious. I so man, I don't know how you do it. I I I, I like, use I like edibles. I like my <laughs> I like my whiskey. I like my vodka. <laughs> oh, I I I totally get it, and I miss I miss that feeling. In that respect, <laughs> red or white? Uh, white. White it is. Oh man, what a year though. It's been, I don't know, it's been like a really fun year, a really amazing year, you know, with the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, with everything else, but I feel like, I mean, this is like one of the things I enjoy most every week is having these episodes. Oh, wow. So even though I have like anger issues when I can't watch a movie that we're supposed to do. I mean, you should have seen the ex- expletive that I was like writing to Brian. Oh my god, I was <laughs> this fucking, fucking god, this motherfucking movie. Yeah, and, and I was being a dick about it. It's like, well, I watched the movie. How is this my problem? <laughs> well, I feel like that's the proper response after my dickhead niche that I can throw my good friends their way every once in a while, where it's like, well, I got to watch it. So, oh, look at that, bringing it around full circle. <laughs> well, I think that's my cosmic karma happening to me. Where it's like, you're really awful to the people that care about you a lot. So you're supposed to watch this movie for your 50-second episode. So, fuck you. <laughs> well, there you are, man. Cheers. Here, Here's Cheers. to 52 and 52 more and 52 exactly. more beyond that. Yes. That's good. I haven't had this in a long time. 
Probably since before I stopped drinking. <laughs> <laughs> With your virgin Shirley Temple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to some questions. So our first question comes from Chris Gould. Now, I guess I should... If you are a fan of certain directors, we're, I guess we'll apologize because there's going to be quite a few that we're about to shit on. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, uh, the first uh, question comes from a uh, listener, Chris, a uh, friend of mine. Chris Gould says, I want to know what you guys really think of Zack Snyder's films because it's really fun listening to you guys shit on him. <laughs> well, I can't stand Zack Snyder at all for numerous reasons. I think he's a hack. I think he's the Walmart version of Michael Bay, and I can't really stand Michael Bay other than The Rock. You know, The Island was pretty okay. It was fun to watch. But as a whole, I fucking hate both of them. But I hate Zack Snyder more because he's like the the budget version of Michael Bay is the best way to put it. I've grown to dislike Michael Bay. I was really generous to him you know when when he kind of rose to prominence because the first movies that i saw that he made were bad boys the rock armageddon and i was like oh my god like this is why people make movies right (laughs) yeah but that was the whole james cameron thing so of of taking kind of a a b movie and treating it like it's this prestige project where There, but that's the kind of thing where like a James Cameron opened the door for, you know, people that imitate kind of the lesser qualities of what he gets right. And then they take all the detail oriented stuff and throw mm-hmm. it right out the window. Right. And it's just spectacle and spectacle. And I, I think that's, you know, kind of your distillation down to your Zack Snyder there where, you know, to put it the best way, like they can both move a camera like nobody's business. Yeah, but they have real problems stringing that together into a way that's well paced and tells a story. Yes, hundred percent agree. And I also want to know how do you fuck stuff up like Watchmen, right? Where it's not necessarily a bad movie, but the source material, as I said in a previous episode, I don't know which one, it's already cinematic, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, and I, I guess it's not that he did anything wrong but why does he get praised as a visionary when he didn't he was not the person that made it a visual art form to begin with his first three movies i totally sympathize right off the bat because i did not like the 2004 dawn of the dead i didn't either and that was before i had taste in good movies I had I had like a dozen movies that people would think I would know what a good movie is, mm-hmm. right? And then I liked really bullshit things. But even then, I was like, I don't know about this Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> I liked you know? about the first 10 minutes of it. And then I'm not going to get into why I don't like that movie. Maybe we should talk about that sometime. But I was so mad because I, like one of the movies that made me want to make movies is the original Dawn of the Dead. And I was fortunate enough to tell that to George Romero himself yeah. when, I, when I met the man. And he was so nice about it, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, what do you do? And waved me behind the table. I talked to him for almost 15 minutes. Which is awesome. It is. While he's continuing to sign autographs. So in retrospect, I feel bad for people who were there yeah. because I'm stealing all their time. 
you know, but he was so awesome. Really, like, you gotta get out there. You gotta <laughs> yeah. make your own stuff. Like, I, yeah. And we were one week away from producing Soul Survivors. Mm. So that felt so great going into that project. Is like hearing that from like you know yeah. the guy. But it was really that there's a homespun quality to it where it's not amateurish. I just remember seeing that where it's like you know if you and your friends really had your shit together, like you could do something like this. Mm-hmm. And it sort of demystified the whole process in certain ways because I like Star Wars as much as anyone else, but I never felt like I'd be able to make a Star Wars movie because like you, it's just like these everything's on a set. How can I build sets? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. it's just not going to happen. So then, cut to Dawn of the Dead, and it imitated all of the wrong qualities. Um, it, it's like somebody just read the TV guide description and then based their movie on that. And uh, James Gunn wrote that, so that's kind of un- a little thing that was difficult for me to work through. But I've come around to appreciate his writing more. But yeah, man, that's Zack Snyder. And then with Three Hundred. That's an adaptation. Oh, yeah. And then it was with Watchmen from the visionary director yeah, of ab- a remake and an adaptation. Yeah. Preposterous. Like, that's bullshit. He's not a visionary. Like, you, once again, Ridley Scott, Scorsese, Spielberg, all those guys are visionaries because what they brought to the table was shit we had never seen before. Right? Like, th- that stuff... Like, the movies that they made, you just are like, wow, what's going on? Like, you're brought into this world that they thought up, you know, or had the uh, capacity to bring it all together, Mm -hmm. right? Zack Snyder adapts things, that's it. And he doesn't even adapt them well. Like, and I am going to fucking kill you. When does Batman fucking swear ever? Ever. Ever! Anyways, I fucking hate Zack Snyder. That's why I'm. I hope we answered your question. I'll leave it with that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Follow up question from Chris as well. What are your three favorite or your three desert island movies? Ooh. Movies you can't ever go without. Wow. I know mine already. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Why don't you go first, sir? Uh, Aliens, The Thing, and Shawshank Redemption. Those three, I don't think I could live without. You know, you know, it would have been fun, and I, I wish I'd have thought of this ninety seconds ago. Is if I tried to guess your desert oh. movies, and then you tried <laughs> to guess mine, and then we say what they are. Well, I know one. I know one for you would be um, Dawn of the Dead, Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Ooh, swing and a miss. Really? Yeah. That's like your favorite thing. That's like what we bonded over because I had never seen Dawn of the Dead and you had never seen The Thing. Uh-huh. What the fuck? All right, go. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was putting some thought into this and just in the spirit of the concept. Uh, do you want to try and guess any others? Oh. Um, you got two more guesses. From Russia with Love. What's your other guess? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. There's, I mean, it's really hard because like we both view a lot of movies and have seen. I mean, I think it would be easy to say that we've seen a fuck ton more movies than the average person. Uh huh. So that's really hard. Jaws. Jaws. You know, all of these would be fine picks. Um, they're they're not what I came up with though. You're kind. You Jesus were kind of Christ. on the right track though, by picking. 
an action movie, a horror movie, and then something else. So I, I was thinking about this, and it's like if I'm really on a desert island, I can only take three movies with me. You know, I, I could easily pick three movies from any genre, like like I could pick yeah. like three horror movies or three James Bond movies. But those are the only movies you got forever, and you're may, you know you might be having a bad day because the coconut radio is not working or whatever. Wilson has disappeared. Wilson, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking I would pick an action movie, a horror movie, and a comedy. Okay. Just to cover all the bases. Caddyshack? Caddyshack is the comedy. <laughs> and I don't play golf. Or golf is the yeah. they used to call it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ted Knight's. You'll get nothing and like it. He's, you know, he's such a great a-hole in that movie. I just, I, I love it. I think it ages like wine. I really enjoy Caddyshack. And all of those guys were just, I think that's one of the things that separates a comedy like that from modern comedies because all of those guys were writers and performers whereas like nowadays everything is so packaged and i think you can find like new old timey style comedians but even then we're kind of like old dudes like bill burr yeah you know i i could mm-hmm. see him along that kind of caliber because he can just improv like it's jazz and that's what a lot of that was and i i think it was really great the the way that they put that together so yeah caddyshack's the comedy the horror movie is going to be Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah, I just rewatched that. It's so fucking good. You know, we, we should talk about that that one on an episode because it's amazing. It is. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I could go into great length about why I enjoy that movie, but I, I it's my favorite of the sequels. And the original is a classic. But what I really appreciate about part three is that it... it adds to the mythology in a way that doesn't take away anything from that original movie builds on it and then introduces new characters while bringing back the survivor nancy Mm -hmm. thompson but then you wind up liking the new characters just as much and that is almost unheard of yep not only in franchise movies but in any movies i wouldn't just put it up there as one of the best horror sequels i would put it up there with the best sequels of all time like empire strikes back godfather part two Mm-hmm. aliens yeah you know right up there and then my action movie it's going to be a james bond movie okay die another day i really want to say day isn't it i really wanted to say <laughs> tomorrow never dies yeah because I, that's another movie i just think ages like wine i really enjoyed it at the time because i was a james bond nerd and i was a tv nerd and it was like mm-hmm. james bond versus tv oh that's cool you know, people were down on it for reasons that have come to become a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, yeah. oh, that couldn't happen. Somebody yeah. making up the news. That's so stupid. <laughs> that villain's so stupid. That would never happen. You're wrong. You're totally wrong. <laughs> but I think the correct answer is probably going to be Skyfall. Skyfall's fucking awesome. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it plays with the formula in ways that none of the other ones did. And I, I think it's really great that you can get a genius filmmaker like Sam Mendes in there and take, you know, a formulaic movie, but there's still room to play in there. Mm-hmm. And I'll use an analogy from one of my screenwriting books that always stuck with me where there's only a certain number of stars in the sky, but you can draw an infinite number of constellations 
from that same number yeah. of stars in the sky. I think that's what Skyfall does because you've had 24 movies before that. Yep. And here's your basic ingredients and they can still remix it in a way that you've never seen before. Yep. It's the same experience that I, it, it's, it's a really simple experience, but it's one that I want each time I see a movie and it's just to be completely in awe of what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. That you're just, you're along for the ride. Like, that's it. You're not thinking about like, well, what time is it? No, they could have done that better. You're mm-hmm. just like going, right? And it's rare that it happens with something like Bond. With Casino Royale, I was like, that's so damn good. I can't imagine that they... That I, I felt like Casino Royale would be a ceiling for Daniel Craig and that everything else would be... Yeah, it's just not that as good as Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, fuck you, here's Skyfall. It's just like, holy shit, I don't know if Bond as a whole can get to that level well, again. That's, that's Cross ha- your fingers, but it's like, that's how impressive that movie is. You want them to do better yeah, and be better, but it was like, holy shit, I don't... I don't know if they can do better than Skyfall. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can handle better. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would just explode <laughs> yeah. and just be a yeah. red dot in the movie yeah. theater. And I feel like Spectre is not uh, perceived as good simply because Skyfall is so great. I think Spectre is really good too, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's not Skyfall. And its only problem is that it came out after Skyfall. It, it's less good. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just less good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Horror Dads has some questions for us. Uh, can you, this is for you, can you rate the James Bond actors worst to best? Hmm. That's tricky uh, because each one of them you kind of enjoy for different reasons. I I think the worst one is uh, George Lazenby. Yeah. Now, he only got to do one. He didn't have much to grow into the part but i think he really tries to play it off like sean connery whereas there's only one sean connery right so easily yeah because you don't have much to go off it could be great or maybe it was just yeah gonna always be a not sean connery you know i would put pierce brosnan right above that through no fault of his own so much as the movies failed him and the only reason that I would rank Roger Moore above him is because they found a tone, they used it, and they that's not mm-hmm. something that they knew how to do during his era, which is unfortunate, because I, I think he was really great. He he was a bad Bond through no fault of his yeah. own. Yeah. That's all I would yeah. say to that. And then, I don't know, you got Sean Connery, Daniel Craig right up there. Um, Timothy Dalton, I would only put him at number three because he only got to do two movies so we didn't get to spend more time with him so it's less of a question to me and and that this is the framing device and my long meandering answer for this (laughs) is i'm i'm not rating the actors so much as on their own acting merits so much as the body of the films collectively that they got to participate in Mm -hmm. so that's why pierce brosnan who is great is like way down at the bottom because those movies were all over the place. Yeah. That the things that did work, you didn't get to see enough of it to know if it was a fluke or not. Right, right. I think they figured that out by the time they got to Timothy Dalton, 
because Living Daylights was very much half of, you know, like True Lies, it's James Bond working on real world problems. And then a little bit goofy leftover from the Roger Moore era where it devolved into self-parody. It kind of became more of like what Austin Powers would imitate with the fight, the judo chop, the fight <laughs> scenes. Because his fight scenes were not good. Right. Know? No. Not Probably not back then. Probably not now. And then, you know, I, I would put uh, Daniel Craig and Sean Connery about on the same footing. Sean Connery, he's got to be near the top, no matter how you look at it, because he's the originator. Not, you wouldn't be talking about anyone else without that. So I'm going to cheat and say that's a tie. Okay. And then Craig, the tone has been consistent. He got to be the Bond that had an arc, and I think that's really cool, because all the rest of them were kind of... There was a very loose connective tissue in there with, like, Tracy. The, like, he got married, and the wife passed away, and they carried that forward into other movies. Mm-hmm. Little things that they would mention here and there, but... You know, it was, it was really more of like an Easter egg where right. it wasn't like a Marvel movie where you had to see Infinity War to understand Endgame. Right, you right. Know? But then the tone of the Craig movies was very consistent and he got to have an arc, which was cool. I am ready for that to be over, though. Yeah, like the arc? Well, yeah, yeah. because they keep having like, you know, this bad Here's guy the behind other guy. the bad guy behind the other guy. Yeah. It's just that always feels like such a cheap trick. So but they're doing it well enough. That I, yeah. I can forgive that. So let's it's not atrocious like Sandman for Spider Man three. Oh, where were, like, were they here's, here's the real the guy. of Uncle yeah. Ben? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unforgivable. Thanks for that though. That was a fun yeah. question. Um Mike uh the question they had for me is they let you off the hook and they're like, just talk about Bond for <laughs> a few minutes. They asked me, I'm allowed to write myself into a alien. I'm gonna go with aliens because I don't want to die even though i probably would so uh you are allowed to write yourself into an alien movie what is your character name and backstory my backstory is going to be super simple because i think it's it touches on the realness that i go through every day i just wouldn't want to be on this planet anymore (laughs) earth right so uh i would be a stowaway right but i wouldn't have a last name because i knew i'd be I would be killed. You're that probably like early on red shirt character. I would be like the dumbass that pushes the button that causes them to crash land into LV 426. You know, like I'm not capable of making good decisions Mm -hmm. and I fuck up the group's ability to get themselves out of bad situations. So you would be the helicopter pilot who got the tongue through the head and then crash the escape boat there's something on the get up here Uh (laughs) okay spunkmire yeah spunkmire yeah yeah i'd be that guy but worse because (laughs) because i'm not part of the colonial marines i'm just the guy that just doesn't want to be on earth anymore yeah well you you'd be in the rear with the gear is what they'd say yeah Yeah. you know it's like you're a smart guy but you're not you know our co2 levels would rise because they only had enough oxygen for 10 people and i was the 11th so i was they'd, they'd probably throw me out to space They're like i haven't died yet this isn't a funeral it is now oh man <laughs> speaking of that i i just you know how sigourney weaver is hanging off the uh the yeah, step her, with her, her elbow? elbow would be ripped in half dude i tried that as a kid like yeah, just off of a because there is a round Jesus. ladder and it's yeah. like you know i i wonder like what that like, is that possible? You right. Know? And it's like, oh, one second. Oh, my God, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that your elbow would get dislocated. 
if gravity is sucking out. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I just for fun. I also tried. You know how in Halloween H two O, like Michael Myers like lowers himself down slowly with one arm. <laughs> yeah, the shot that was in all the trailers. Yeah, yeah that's I, so hard to do. I came across a rafter and it's like, I I wonder if I could do that. I I got like I could I could hang yeah. up there with one arm, right? And I I lowered about two inches and then it just like starts shaking and then <laughs> boom, like right straight down. Impossible. Yeah. Another one from the horror dads. Who do you dislike more? And this is, I think, a tough question. Who do you dislike more, Rob Zombie or Eli Roth? <laughs> I think they both are terrible. That's that's. But fair. I think uh, I think Rob Zombie's the worst. I have a couple. Per- I have a very personal reason. I went to Ozfest once and I saw him. He was performing like a couple acts before Ozzy came on. Uh-huh. Man. Fuck him. He sat on one of the amplifiers and mumbled his fucking lyrics out, and that was it. Go away. Probably wearing his sunglasses. So he yeah, can... and it's at night. With his dirty-ass hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say awful. Rob Zombie as well. And people that I'm friends with always tell me that, oh, you should see The Devil's Rejects. It's really his best movie. It's not. Well, I've seen all of his movies. It's not his best movie? Okay, I mean, it's like, well, this piece of shit is more firm than this other piece of shit. This piece of shit over here is diarrhea, so I guess, like, technically it's better, but it still smells like shit. Well, here's here's my thing, is I it might be his best movie. However, I've hated the movies of his that I have seen so much. Why would I care? <laughs> what is... There's nowhere to go but up from there, theoretically. You would... Think. I would still probably really dislike it, but it, at the end of it, like, well, at least it was better than Rob Zombie's Halloween. Three That's from not Hell much of a compliment. is awful, too. I mean, I, I kid you not, I've watched them all. You I've know, watched all of his movies. There is a word called Scheidenfraud, which, it, it's a German word. There's no English equivalent. It, it, do you know what it means? No. It means it's... joy derived from the misery of others. Oh, okay. So is that what Rob Zombie, like, is that his motivation? Well... He gets joy from putting out his movies because they annoy the masses? What gives me joy is the fact that all of the people who told me I need to see Devil's Rejects saw Three from Hell and hated it because it really destroyed the legacy of that movie. So it's like, (laughs) There you go. Shrine fraud. Yeah, Rob Zombie all the way. I think only marginally because Eli Roth did do the um, History of Horror for AMC Shudder, you know, which was a pretty cool, like, docuseries of horror movies. Mm -hmm. But In Search of Darkness is also much better than that, so, which is an awesome documentary. I don't know. He's, He's probably a cool guy. I just don't like the movies he makes because, you know, he curates some pretty cool film festivals. Mm hmm. Um, there, there was a great movie where these kids remade in the eighties with VHS tape, they were remaking Raiders of the Lost Ark shot for shot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that, like they were playing that at the beginning of this film festival as a time filler. And then they were going to turn it, they turned it off to start the movie. The audience booed them to death to the point (laughs) where instead of running the movie that they were playing, they put these kids making their 80s, yeah, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones film back on. And because of Eli Roth, that 
became popularized and they got to make that movie. I think it's called Raiders. It's on Netflix. Yeah. John Rice Davies is in it. Like, yeah. like the people who made the movie are aware of it and they think it's really cool. And to the point that they got to make the money to raise the money to finish their movie, even though it was, you know, 20 years later and you can see <laughs> yeah. them growing up, but who cares? Good for them. Right. So again, you know, Rob Zombie all the way might, He's might, the worst. might be a cool guy to have a beer with, but I don't like his movies. Yeah. I don't think I'd even want to, have a beer with Rob Zombie. So I bet you he smells like incense. Remember what Hot Topic smelled like? Have you ever been in there? Of course. Yeah, I bet you that's what Rob <laughs> Zombie smells like. He smells like Hot Topic. How, how could you live through the 90s without <laughs> being in a Hot Topic at some point? Right. <laughs> the only place you could find good t-shirts for a long time. Okay. Uh, what re or What remake or horror film were you excited for, but it was a complete letdown? You want me to go first this time? Uh, I, I know one. And I'm pretty sure it was like our experience with Halloween 2 where we completely ruined it for other people. Uh-huh. It was a different movie, but I saw it with Andrew Heath and it was Lights Out. That short that was released was really scary, mm-hmm. right? And it's only like two or three minutes, but I really like the simple premise. And I was like, oh, they're making it into a movie. That movie is so incredibly dumb. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just like... They took this simple idea, didn't know how to make it into like an hour and a half movie, and then what we got was just, yep, <laughs> just someone farted in well, the movie theater. You know, it, it sometimes a great concept just doesn't have the gas in the tank to go the distance, and that's probably what that was. Yeah, so that was a letdown. Um, I don't, I don't think I was mad at it. I was just really disappointed. You know, kind of like the prequel to the thing. That's not a horrible movie, but it doesn't need to be there either, you know? You know, and like the Evil Dead remake, I, I think it's pretty good for a movie nobody asked or wanted. Yeah. <laughs> nobody asked for it or wanted yeah. it. I think the Evil Dead remake's much better than the thing. Oh, oh I agree. I yeah. agree. Although I still kind of like both. I mean, you know, say what you will about the special effects. That's kind of a popular, you know, talking it's a, point. Yeah, because and, it's and, and I get all been. that. Yeah, I get all that. And I, I know I've said before, studio adi has a great youtube channel highly recommend subscribing to them and you can see a lot of that stuff it's like a 10 minute show reel so i don't think you can recreate the movie with the effects that they have but it's still cool to see that stuff so for me it's nightmare on elm street which came out a year ago 10 years ago yesterday oh my god if you can believe that from the day actually i think that's a better one than lights out well my I was excited for it, not just because I, I like Nightmare on Elm Street. It's one of my favorite horror movie franchises. You know, I, I go back and forth between, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, depending on the day you catch me. But I think the Elm Street series is probably the most consistently clever series out of all of them. And the ratio of, like, good movies to stinkers is pretty low. Yeah. Now, with the remake... The reason I was so excited for it was because Jackie Earl Haley was in it. I thought the cast of kids were all talented actors, even though they're 30-somethings playing high school students. But, you know, that's just, that's just a reality of yeah. horror movies a lot of times. Um, there was a key point in the trailer where they're like, we're getting into his origin. And he's running from the gang. And, and it's like, what do you think I did? And it's like, oh, my God. That's so perfect because one of the things in the original movies, and they were very smart to sidestep it, was the whole child pedophile thing. 
where they made him a child murderer, which is not any better, arguably. It's just that you don't have to deal with the knowledge of the rapiness of it. Yes. So it's it's foul, but it's not so foul that you can't find some level of entertainment in that. Right. So that's why I was excited for the remake because it's like, okay, if he wants, if he need, if he needs a reason to kill these kids, which he doesn't. I mean, just from a writing standpoint, like he's he's a monster. Just make him evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's all you're going to do to modernize it, I'm totally on board with that because then he can go after the kids for the sins of the parents. Yes. Wrongfully in a, accused. In a way yep. that, you know, you're, I mean, you sh- not that you should ever be on board with it, but if you were going to be on board with that character, because people root for Freddy Krueger because he's a fucking rock star. Right. That's totally fine. They did not do that. And that's the biggest thing that tanked the movie for me is you get about three quarters of the way through thinking, I was thinking like it was going to be like, that's the spin. Like you got the wrong guy. And even the kids are like, guys, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. And now we have this unstoppable boogeyman that you won't believe is even killing us. Right. And uh, they're just like, nah, it's the same thing. He raped all these kids. And then it's even worse because it's like the class gardener. So... It ruins it even further in the same way that they ruin Michael Myers with explaining the the sister connection. Uh-huh. So now, well, I didn't go to that school, so now I, I can't envision him being after me, which not only makes him unbearably disgusting from a moral standpoint, he's not scary because he's not going to fucking come after me anymore. Right. Right. So... <laughs> That said, I think it's one of the best-looking pieces of garbage I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that and, like, Halloween 6. I put those two up there. <laughs> yeah, best-looking piece of shit ever. Yeah. I got one for you, but I'll save it to the end. Oh, okay. Uh, so we watch a lot of movies, obviously. Mm-hmm. Not just for this podcast, but we love movies. Uh, so what are some that we haven't covered that you've watched, that we haven't really talked about at all, that you've seen that you've really enjoyed this year? Or not this year, but over, over the, past. the course of the last yeah. year. Lighthouse. Yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. I don't know if it came out this year, but I really enjoyed Midsummer quite a bit. Um, yeah, I hear good things about that. But do you have any rec- other ones that I liked that yeah. I would recommend? Yeah. I'm trying to think of what I saw this year that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of it's a blur, and and a lot of those movies I try and put on the list so that we do talk about. Yeah. Because one of my goals for this podcast when we started it, and this is going to be my question for you, when because you came to me with the idea about doing a movie show. Mm-hmm. We had done a couple podcasts in the past, kind of like proto-casts, trying to figure it out, and just, I, I think we didn't like the rhythm, or we couldn't figure out the format or whatever. Certain things sounded a little forced, so I like the idea of just having a discussion. I also like the idea of we're not just doing current movies. We're not just talking about the newest thing, the hottest thing, so that you can look at the backlog and listen to pretty much any show, and hopefully it feels timeless. Right, exactly. Because yeah. movies are this thing that continues on forward. And oh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, But what was the question, though? When we started this, what goal did you have for this podcast? My goal has always been to shine a light. Well, with the podcast, is to shine a light on certain movies that are either disrespected or kind of misunderstood or kind of hidden gems, right? 
or to elevate an appreciation for movies. I think we've gotten to a time as a whole, like all of society is, we're super fucking cynical and critical of everything that we see, right? And it doesn't need to be like that. Like if you go on a merits of, or like the storytelling capabilities of Long Kiss Goodnight, you're not going to enjoy that movie. Still a great movie to watch, right? Mm -hmm. At least I think I do. So I'm more like the goal was to celebrate things, not to be jackasses. And because the easy way out with any podcast that talks about movies is to be, let's take a shit on us. Like that's the attitude. Let's take a shit on everything. And we do have those episodes, but I feel like when we have those episodes, those movies deserve to get shit on. I right. think we're pretty fair about it. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's the difference between... I've never viewed myself as a critic. I, I like to think we're just talking about movies. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see myself as a critic. <laughs> that might right. not make any sense at I, all. I don't either. Even though we spend so much time laser-focused on criticizing things. But criticism also can be positive. And it's so easy, and it's really a cop. There's two things that I hate the most in movie reviews. One is what you said about people just talking about the negative. Right. Because that's just such an easy well to go to because you can produce a, a reaction in somebody because you get you know, there's just something to be mad about. Let's, let's froth about this. Let's be yeah. mad about it, you know. That's cheap, and it's also disingenuous, and it sells short the thing that you're there to talk about but it also sets us apart from in talking about the positive you know kind of like the enthusiast critic right as well because there's that whole kind of thing there's people that have entire youtube channels devolved to that right but then there are news channels too and they just kind of like grind it out like sausage and i didn't want this to ever feel like a job so right i'm glad we didn't do that the other thing i hate the most is when people just write out the plot of the movie yeah this is a huge pet peeve of mine, right? Because there's some complex movies that I've seen recently, you know, like Enemy uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal, where it's like by the end of it, like the very last scene. Have you seen it? No. All right, I'm not going to talk about it. But the very last scene is so puzzling where you're like, what did I just watch? Because it's like as soon as I saw that sequence, I'm like, there's some sort of poetry behind the scenes that I'm not privy to yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went to YouTube to try to find like people explaining and discussing that movie, right? And instead what I found is just a plot summary that was 25 minutes long. And it's like, how is that a movie discussion? That's not a movie discussion. <laughs> you know, I want someone that's like, let's go in depth of what this means on a psychological level, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and I find that to be the laziest type of channel. Like, I, you should just call your YouTube channel, channel IMDb. Because that's all that you're doing. You're not... Like, the, the, the wonderful thing about movies, especially when you get to someone like um, David Lynch, where it's like, it's not verbatim what you're seeing in there. There's interpretation. I mean, he's also going on to say, it's like, it's not what I thought. It's also what you think. Like, after you saw the movie, what did you think, mm -hmm. you know? So there's, there's this give and take with a movie that he makes. Pretentious, you could argue, for sure. But... Like, that stuff is, like, what I want to see because it's, like, I want to have a discussion more in-depth. What do movies mean? A lot of YouTube channels just seem to be, like, here's the plot summary. 
How's that a critical response? Well, That's what I'm getting at. Is you're, that not, it's not... you're not adding any of your own flavor to it, your own spin yeah. to it. You're not adding anything substantial to what's yeah. already there. So there's no just angle that you're bringing to it. Yeah. I did find a couple channels that did explain the movie for me, and I was like, wow, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's it. That's episode 52. We did it, man. Yes. <laughs> One year down. It still blows my mind. I can't stop. Because like, I, I, you know, I do like all the uploads and everything, and then it's like each week I'm like, really? That's the episode number? We're that far along already? And then it felt like... We had a discussion five weeks ago, like, yeah, episode 52 is coming up. Mm -hmm. And it was both like, really? Yeah, like we should do something. Yeah. It's just crazy. It went by so fast. It is, yeah. And uh, I, I just wanted to say, if you hear motorcycles driving by or noises in the background, <laughs> it's because we're recording this in my living room yeah. instead of our offices, because this is the first show out of 52. Right. Thanks to the nightmare that that we're hopefully oh, yeah. coming out of yeah that this is the first show that we're doing in person together yeah so there's been a whole year of this and this is the first time we're in the same room together yeah and what's crazy is like it's been longer since we've seen each other because my computer was built by you mm. before we started doing the podcast okay yeah so and you showed up with your ninja mask on and my real and, scruffy hair and we, yeah yeah <laughs> super scruffy yeah i was in rough shape i looked like a bum it was probably the worst i've ever looked in my life like because i had because i was like hey i need a haircut right mm -hmm. thinking to myself and then it was like everything got shut down like the week later because that's when covid like yeah bulldozed through everything mm -hmm. and then it was like couldn't get a haircut to the point where it's like I'm just going to shave my head because it was so bad. Yeah. But yeah, that was over a year ago. Crazy. But it is, yeah. And uh you know, we're we're we are 6 feet apart. Yeah. However, we've we've both had both of our shots. Yep. So yeah, hopefully we're coming down the mountain on this thing and we can do more of these in person together. Yes, I agree. It'd be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. I mean, this has been a lot of fun because it's not through like a webcam and you know, Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's it. Oh, cheers. One, again. one more one cheers. One more for the road. Yep. You can find us on social media, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram at uh, Post Credits Podcast. And if you can leave us a five-star review on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, that'd be great. It would, and definitely do that because we'll probably do more stuff like this in the future maybe every couple episodes or yeah you know 20 or something we'll have people we'll have polls about like we're going to do a movie from a series maybe we'll let people pick which movie from the series yeah because we'll probably wind up doing them all at some point <laughs> right like with friday the 13th like that's <laughs> a guarantee that's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh so yeah give us a follow at post credits on your social media platform yep. of choice and give us yep. a review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll see you in the next 52 shows and beyond <laughs> yeah.